church. There are plenty of things to question about church. Things like, why is the music so loud? Or why is it so dark in here? Why are the services so long? And why should I listen to the guy on stage? It seems like he talks for hours. And they seem to talk a lot about giving. So where does all that money go? Is the church full of hypocrites? These people have to be faking it. Well, if you've asked these or other questions, you've come to the right place. This is A Skeptic's Guide to Church. Welcome to Northridge Church. And you know, the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. And last week I made fun of Bill's fans and here I stand a loser because my Cowboys lost. So you know what? I reap what I sow. Stop clapping. That's unacceptable. Uh, but anyway, welcome to Northridge Church. We're excited to have you. We want to welcome our campuses at Webster, Greece, Henrietta, Arondacoit. And can all of our campuses help me by welcoming our online audience this morning? Come on. Yeah. And if you're watching online, I'd challenge you to do one thing. If you live in the Rochester area, come check out one of our campuses. We would love to be able to shake your hand, get to know you, give you a hug, and just build a relationship with you. Because here's what I know, watching a service online is great, but it gets even better when you experience this live because you get to meet the people that make this church so great. And so for every single person here this morning, welcome to Northridge Church. Man, we're honored to have you here. And we started a series last week called A Skeptic's Guide to church. And in this series, we're, we're kind of zooming in on that word skeptic. And because, you know, in our culture today, someone who has that, that vantage point of life often gets a bad rap. You know, being a skeptic is never something that you, 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 you tote and you're proud of. It's something that oftentimes you, you hide because, you know, it, it comes with this negative connotation. But often being a skeptic can be a very wise thing. Thinking and asking good questions is a great thing, but it also can be a dangerous thing. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're answering some of those why questions. Why questions tied to the church, but more specifically our church. Why do we do certain things the way we do them? Why don't we do certain things? And in fact, we want to answer your questions. And so if you have them or you've thought of them or they continue to come to us, we'd encourage you to text us. Grab your phone at any point during the service or during the week. Text us at the number on the screen and we will answer a majority of those questions. In fact, next week, I'm going to do a live Q&A session at the end of my message to answer a good chunk of those questions, and so make sure you ask them. But in order to understand the, the answer to why, you have to get to know us. You have to understand who Northridge Church is, and I walked through this last week, and I'm gonna do it again, and I know our natural tendency would be to check out during this time, this three-minute period, but I'm gonna challenge you as Northridgers, people who call this home, man, someone's gonna eventually ask you these questions about our church. So who, who are we as a church? Well, we exist. Our mission is to glorify God by making more and better disciples. We want to be a church that is reaching people far from God, but helping people grow closer to God. And it's not something that we made up. It's not something that we're like, wow, this is, this is genius. No, this is something God gave us. We have two sources for our mission. The first one is the Bible. God's revelation to us, his word, our authority in life, what we believe in. And then secondly, the gospel. The greatest story ever told is Jesus coming and rescuing us from our sins. 
And then what we want to do is we want to all walk people through a journey, through a process of helping them grow closer to God. It starts with two major pillars, worship and community. We want to move people from rows to circles, into relationships, and then we want them to interact with the next three things of our process, to grow, to serve, and to invite. And what makes our church, you know, our church, what makes it Northridge is, is the four lenses that we approach ministry through. Excellence. We want to be an excellent church. We want to talk about things that are relevant in our culture, generosity and simplicity. Those are the way we approach ministry and the result, what we're hoping for is that God would take individuals far from God and he would move them over the course of of time to become fully devoted to Jesus Christ. That's what we want God to to do and use us as a church is, is to see people become fully committed and all in to Jesus. And last week we talked about our mission, the tension of more and better. And we answered a lot of those why questions that you might have. And this morning we're gonna zoom into our process, the journey we take people on. And I believe this is where a good majority, a good chunk of our questions, our why questions come from. So let's dig into it. Our, our process starts with our worship. Our process starts with our worship services. Why? Because you and I, we were created to worship. At the end of the day, the reason why you were created is to bring glory to God, and we do that through our worship. And for thousands of years, the church has been gathering, and the church gathering was intended for believers. I mean, I think we have to, again, come to this glimpse that when we say the church, we do not mean buildings, we do not mean brick and mortar or auditoriums. When we say the church, we're ultimately talking about Christians, believers, followers of Christ, gathering. And the reason why the church was created and the reason why we gather is, is for believers. And when it comes to, 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 to gathering, we see this in Acts chapter 2. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession and to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so our process starts with our worship services. And we have two major goals for every single Sunday. We have goals for today and and every single Sunday that we have a worship service. The first one is this, is we want to lead you to fall more in love with Jesus. I mean, that's a major goal that we have for every single Sunday. As believers, we want to lead people to fall desperately and madly in love with God. Well, how does that happen? Well, it happens by knowing who God is and what he stands for and what he, he leads us to. It's by understanding, and the way we do that is we open up God's word, we study it, we teach it, and, and the more you know God and the, the more knowledge you get of God, it leads us as believers just to fall madly in love with him. And that's our goal is we want to lead you to that. But secondly, it doesn't stop there. Secondly, we want to move you to action. We want to move you to obedience to what God is calling you because when you love God, you obey God. And the truth is, is we want to move you to action. That's why every single Sunday when I teach, I try to offer practical steps that when you walk out on Sunday, you can live it out on Monday. You can say, I can tackle this. I can live this out. I can walk this way. And so we want to help you fall more in love with Jesus and move you to action. So I told you last week, my my job is not to impress you intellectually. It's to move you, equip you to obedience to God. 
But here's where the skeptic comes in. Here's that first question that many of us have asked. If the church was really a gathering of believers, if Northridge is a gathering of believers, why does it feel like when I come on Sunday morning that we do a lot of things strategically towards the people who are far from God? Why, why, do, why does it feel like when I come to Northridge Church, a lot of what we do is, is, is for the person who's walking in and, and doesn't know God? Why, why does it feel that way? And I think we have to come to this conclusion and understand that our services must also have an eye towards evangelism. We, we must have this, this, this eye, this gaze towards, hey, the reality is, is there are people who are coming to our church every single weekend and watching online who really don't know the answers, who don't know who God is. And look what the Bible says about this. First Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 14. He says, so if the whole church comes together and everyone is to speak in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your minds? This is what Paul is saying to the church in Corinth. He says, when the church gathers together and, and all the church does is speak in insider language, when the church just talks in, in Christianese jargon and, and a non-believer, someone who's searching for hope, someone who's trying to understand who God is and all the church does is, is talk about things that they know and they understand, most people who are inquiring are gonna be like, man, these people are nuts. These people are crazy. Like, oh, this is weir a weird cult kind of thing. You know, and, and, and the reality is we have to understand. Paul's saying you gotta have an eye towards unbelievers. Acts, he continues, chapter 15, it says, it, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentile who, who are turning to God. You see, what he's talking about here, the author in, in Acts is saying, hey, in, in this culture, the Israel was God's chosen people. But when Jesus came, he opened the gospel to, to non-Jewish people. And, and, and the Jewish people struggle with that. And so they were making it difficult for a Gentile, which is just a non-Jewish person, to come to Christ. They were making all these rules. You gotta become a Jew before you can understand who God is. And, and the author is saying, no, we, we can't make it difficult for inquirers, for people who don't understand God to know God. And that's why as a church, we have an eye towards evangelism. But understand, this doesn't change what we say, but it changes how we say it. You see, we don't change the truth of God's word but we can be sensitive to, to the reality of there are people who come to our church. Here's what stats say. Here's what our surveys say. 30% of our church just this last year came from an unchurched background. It means they don't know all the answers. They don't understand all that the Bible has to say. There's a good majority of our church that openly admits, hey, I don't know God and I don't have a relationship with God and we wanna be sensitive to that. And so this is why, you know, every Sunday, you might, might have wondered this, this is why every Sunday when I, when I say, hey, will you turn to, you know, Luke chapter two, I say, hey, if you're using one of the Northridge Bibles, turn to chapter, or turn to page 452. Because there's a lot of people who come to our church who are like, what, Luke, who the heck is Luke? And is there a picture of him that I should know? Like, hey, turn to Genesis, where the heck is Genesis? Or Revelation, or Micah, and who are these people you're talking about? We want to be sensitive to that. This is why we, we, we preach the gospel every single weekend and we give people to, a chance to respond to it because we recognize that and we have to be sensitive. We have to have this eye towards evangelism. This is why we don't say, hey, you know, we've all heard this story before because the reality is probably a good chunk of us have never heard it before. And we have to come to this, to grips with, man, our, our worship services are our church's front door. Our worship services are the front door of our organization. It's where new people interact with our church on, on a regular basis for the first time. 
Let me walk you through. We have an inviter culture at our church. We ask people who call Northridge Church home to live Pi Square, to pray for opportunities, to invest in relationships, and ultimately to invite people to Jesus. And when someone is invited to church, it often takes a, a, a number of invites, and, and finally they're like, okay, I'll think about it. And you know what that person does? The first thing probably they do is they go to our website, northridgerochester.com, and they, they look at who we are. They, they, they try to see if we're, we're crazy like most of the culture thinks we are. It's true. We are crazy. And then they probably watch a service online. Okay, let's see what, what a weekend service looks like. And if that's you this morning watching online, welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're watching. And then they will come to one of our worship services, to one of our campuses. And that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Because you know how hard it is? Some of us, I, I think we've been going to church for so long or it's been so dr- traditional. It's just something we've always done in a family. Do you know how hard it is for someone who's far from God to step foot into an auditorium full of people who believe in God? You know what they wonder? Are these people going to accept me? Are these people going to judge me based off of who I am or what I look like? And that is a big deal for someone to say, hey, I'm going to go to a church this morning, to, to, to a church, quote unquote, building. And, and they, they're nervous. And if that's you this morning, you made that choice to come in. I'm proud of you. And I know that wasn't an easy decision. And as a church, we have this eye towards evangelism. And here's what I know about guests. Here's what I know about people far from God. When they come to church, and they feel weird, they feel awkward, guess what they do? They don't write on their connections card like, I didn't like it. They don't complain about the music or the message. You know what they do? They just never come back. They never come back. And, and for some people, you only get one shot. Some people will only give the church one shot in their life. And we as a church, we want to be sensitive to those people. And we have to get to a place as believers where, where we're not so focused on me and, and we don't miss out on the importance of we. And here's, what ha- what, here's what's happened culturally to the church today is, is so many believers have, have made the church about consuming. That we live in this consumer culture and, and we've made the church ultimately about us. What I want and, and my needs, like, hey, I want the music this level and I want to sing these songs. And if you don't do these things, I'll go find the church that, that revolves everything around me. And can I tell you today, the church was never designed for you or for me. It was designed to worship and bring glory to a holy God. And when we distort that and we change that and when we complain about the things we do, you know what I want to be? I want to be at a, part of, uh, a, a part of a church that's passionate about reaching more and better. And keeps that balance. And, and the reality is, is here's, here's when we complain, I, I think we, I want to give you a little perspective to my job, managing this tension. Because let's say you're here this morning, you're like, man, I, I feel like the music is a little loud. And I wish we sang a, a little more of these types of songs. And I get that tension. I understand that. I feel that way sometimes. But guess what? The person three rows up from you to the left is like, man, I wish they would crank that thing up. And I wish we would get a little more crazy in church today. What do you do with that? You're going to please one or the other, right? Or make both mad. We're pretty good at making both mad, actually. (laughs) But we want to have this eye towards evangelism. And it takes a group of believers saying, hey, you know what? I'll sacrifice what I want for the sake of the gospel in people's lives. And so that's the first part of our process is our worship services. And then we want to take people from a row or a crowd and we want to move them into community. That's the second part of our process is community. We want to get people involved in relationships. Why? Because you were created for them. The way God designed you was to be in healthy relationships with people. 
We believe life change happens best in relationships, in community. You want, you want God to change your life in 2019? It probably won't happen unless you're involved with people who are gonna push you towards that goal. If you're not connected relationally, you probably won't grow spiritually. And in Northridge Church, we have about 40 people on staff, give or take. And we speak to around 3,500 people every weekend. And how in the world does 40 people take care of 3,500 people? It's impossible. It's not gonna happen. And that's why we push people to community. So you can be take, taken care of through the highs and the lows of life. And in compu- community is, a, is the backbone of our ministry. But here's two skeptic questions that, that many people think. The first one is this. Some of you have said this. If you're not in a group here at, at Northridge Church, here's what you, probably many of you have said. Why do I need a community group when I already have community? You see, some of us, that, that has a natural tension. That's a great question. Like, hey, Drew, I get you want us to be in community, but I've already got that. I've already been in community. Like, I've got a community that surrounds me. And I want to start by you understanding why our groups exist. Our, our groups are, are about giving and getting community. There's a huge balance there. We want to be a church that has groups that are about giving community to people and also getting community for others. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I I have community already, I would ask you this question. Is that community intentional? Is it intentional? Is that community part of pushing you? See, we have three intentional reasons for groups. The first one is we want to help you apply God's word to your life. We want to see God shape you and mold you. We want to surround you with people who are pushing you towards that. We want you to build healthy relationships, social relationships, personal relationships. And then we want to care for you. And if you're here this morning and say, I don't need a group, I have community. Most people do have community. I believe that. They have a community of people who will love them when life gets difficult, when the emergency happens. They've got people who will rush to their needs. But I believe a lot of people, they call that a community, but what they're missing out on is people who actually push them towards the gospel and help them grow in their marriage, help them grow in their walk with God on a regular basis. And, and can, can I just speak to this? I get this tension because one of the most awkward things for me as, as the pastor of this church is community because I have a community already outside of Northridge Church but then, man, it's weird for me as a lead pastor. You know, you, 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 I'm in a group every trimester. And it's just it's kind of an awkward thing. Like, hey, we're going to talk about your message. And you're the lead pastor. And it's like, oh, hey, guys, this is awkward, weird, awesome. I didn't like what you said there, Drew. Okay, cool, awesome, sweet. <laughs> me neither, actually. <laughs> but I want, you to, I want you to understand, I, I don't go to community group just to get community. I also go to give it. Because I recognize that there are people who come to our church that are desperate for a community that will love them and care for them and lead them to the gospel. And I'm all about that. I'm all about opening my life and my struggles to help someone else grow as well. Because it's about getting and giving community. But then the second skeptic comes in. And this is the, the believer who's asking this, this question. Because, you know, a lot of you, you're in community. And you're like, man, it's amazing. I wish people could understand how awesome it is. But then comes your, your question. You know, Drew, I've, I've got a community. It's been amazing. And God has grown our community. And now you want me to multiply? You want me to give what God has given us up? You see, at our church, we ask our, our groups as they grow to multiply to create more space for people. And we have to understand that our groups here at Northridge Church are for the mission. They're for more and better. We believe that so strongly that everything we do runs through that filter. 
And some of you today are like, man, I love my community so much, and I can't believe you would ask me to multiply it. Why would you do that, Drew? And here's why. Uh, to me, it's, it's very simple, but it's hard to take. You see, the reason why you love your community group so much is because someone before you sacrificed to give you what you love. Someone sacrificed and was willing to open up space in their group to allow you to come in so you could enjoy, and, and someone needs what you currently are enjoying. You see, we're an active, growing church. That means more people come to Northridge Church every single year. And what that means is we have to create space for them to get plugged into community. And when we as believers and leaders aren't willing to create space, we've lost sight of the mission. And I'm telling you, the reason why you love your group is because someone before you sacrificed an open space so you could enjoy what you currently love. And someone needs that. Someone desperately needs that. And those are the two pillars of our church. Those two things are the backbone of what makes Northridge Church, our worship services and our community. And I'll just save you some time. If you're a guest here this morning and those things don't sound good to you, you probably will not like this church. It probably won't be the church for you because you'll get tired of hearing life change happens best in group. You'll get tired of hearing you won't connect relationally unless you grow spiritually. You'll get tired of us saying you gotta be in a group because we won't let you sit in a crowd and just be another number on our agenda or our list. We will move you from a crowd to a row because we believe in it that much. We're not a church that offers groups. We are a church of groups. And so we believe it and if you don't like it, you won't like us. But then thirdly, we go from worship to community, and then we want to interact with these next three things in different phases based on the circumstances of our lives. The third thing we want to do in our process is we want to get you to grow spiritually, to grow spiritually. Why? Because Peter says this, he says this, he says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. And all throughout the Bible, it talks about us growing spiritually, us growing in the knowledge and the grace of who Jesus is. And so I don't think anybody argues with, man, I should be growing spiritually as a believer. Like that's just something that we all should be passionate about as followers of Christ. But here's where the question comes in. Here's where the skeptic comes in. They, they ask this, you know, okay, what does growing look like at this church? And can I do it here? Can I be a part of that? Like, okay, you want me to grow spiritually? How does that happen in, at this church? And can I be a part of that? And, and I wanna start by building this platform and this foundation of what growth looks like because we have to, 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 to be reminded that this is not just a Sunday morning thing, it's an everyday thing. Spiritual growth doesn't just happen on a Sunday, it happens on a Sunday, but it's not just a Sunday thing, it's an everyday thing. You see, we want to start with Sunday. We want to teach you and grow you on a Sunday morning. We want you to fall more in love with Christ and move to obedience. But it can't just be a Sunday thing for you or for me. It has to be an everyday thing where we're growing on Monday and Tuesday all the way to Saturday to be filled up on Sunday and to do it over again. The goal is that you would be self-taught, that you could grow yourself spiritually all on your own. And I'm going to say this this morning, I think this is probably one of the best things I'm gonna say this morning, even though I've said quite a few good things already. <laughs> that was a joke, just, just for the record. <laughs> but I'm gonna challenge you here. And I really want you to take this challenge. I really want you to soak it in because I needed to hear this. And so I'm hoping you need to hear this, but no one should be more invested in your spiritual growth than you. 
No one should be more passionate, more committed, more energized, more all in to you growing spiritually than you. And here's one of my tensions as, as a pastor of this church is, man, I, sometimes I feel like you expect me to be more into your spiritual growth than you are. Sometimes I feel like the expectation is like, hey, Drew provides the spiritual growth. I'll just kind of follow along. And I'm telling you today, what, would, what could God do in your life if you were the one who was most passionate, most invested in you saying, God, grow me this year? 2019, I said, hey, no one is going to be more crazy and more passionate about me growing spiritually in my marriage and in my singleness and in my office than, than myself. Man, what could God do? Man, sometimes I feel like it's all relying on me when I'm more passionate about you growing spiritually than you are. Some of you, as husbands, your wife is more passionate about you growing spiritually than you are. And some of you wives, your husband's more passionate about you growing. It can't be. We have to take the ownership and say, God, I want you to do something amazing in my life. And that starts with me, and that starts with you. So what is spiritual growth? What does it mean we want you to grow well, I believe spiritual growth is found in one word. It's obedience. You want to grow spiritually this year? Say yes to God no matter what. That's hard to do. You want to grow in, in your walk with God? Say yes to God no matter what it costs you or no, no matter how you feel about it. And let me prove this to you in the Bible. John chapter 14. This is what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. I know a lot of people who claim to love Jesus, but they ain't following what Jesus says. Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus says, hey, why bother calling me your Savior and your Master and your Lord if you're not willing to actually obey what I've commanded you to do? Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does, who obeys the will of the Father who is in heaven. James 1, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do, obey what it says. Matthew 28, Great Commission. Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations. And what should we do? We should teach them to obey. Because spiritual growth isn't found in the knowledge you obtain. It's found in the knowledge you know and being obedient to that. And I love what Kerry Newhoff says. This might make some people mad, but I don't care. Most Christians are about 3,000 verses overweight. And think about that for a second, because I think it's so true in, in the church today. Because I think for a lot of believers, it's not a matter of, of knowing what God says. I think it's a matter of, will I be obedient to what I already know God will say and has said? You see, I think for many of us, when we, when we look at life and when we look at, 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 at growing spiritually, the, the, it's, not a, it's not a knowledge problem, it's an obedience problem. Because I think for the vast majority of us, when we face questions in life and hard circumstances in life, it's not a matter of like, hey God, what do you say about this? It's, it's, it's a matter of will I, knowing it might hurt me, knowing it might cost me, still be obedient to God because I already know actually what he says. And that's what Kerry Newhoff is saying. He's saying, he's not saying, hey, you shouldn't know your Bible. He's saying, when you know your Bible, are you obedient to what it says? And I think today, many of us, we claim to be growing spiritually because we spend time in God's word. We listen to it. But do we obey it? Do we live it? So we want you to grow. And then set, fourthly, part of our process is to serve 
to serve. Why serve? Because God gives us all gifts to be used for his glory. You might not feel that way about your life right now. You might not feel that talented, that gifted. You might feel like you've been overlooked, devalued, but I want you to understand that God has given you a gift. And God gave you that gift to to bring him glory and to serve others. Peter says this, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I don't know about you, but in my life, oftentimes when I find that I'm gifted at something, I, I wanna use that gift to serve me. I, I wanna promote me, not others. And, and God says, hey, the gift I've given you, it's not for your benefit, it's for the benefit of others. And so here's the skeptic. Here's where the question comes. Like, okay, Drew, and I think this is a tension that probably everybody has felt about the church, not just Northridge Church, but the church, church in general. Because so, so many of us, we feel this tension when it comes to church. We've been to many churches, and, and the question we ask is like, okay, here we go again. Like, the church just wants something from me. Like, okay, we talk about giving, and you should give faithfully, and, and then it's our time, and you should serve, and, and it's like, when does it end? Like, when, when does the church just stop asking me for everything? And, and I get that tension. I feel that tension. And I want you to understand something this, this morning is everything that I or our church ask of you, I ask of me. Everything that, that we ask you to do, I ask this heart to do. And, and, and man, I, I, I want us to, to come to terms with, man, this is not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. And there is a major difference there. We're not asking things of you Because we're like, man, give us something and give us something. We want you to experience God. And the only way we know for you to experience God is through what his word says. And when we get to the place when we put others before ourselves, it gives us a a brand new perspective. It takes the focus off of me and it puts it on others. Some of you today, you feel isolated. You feel alone. Nobody cares about you. And I'm telling you, one way to solve that problem is to serve others. Because you'll realize what people are dealing with and it will bring you together and you won't feel alone anymore. And man, if you're here and you call Northridge home and you don't serve, I would challenge you to get in the game. And one area that our church needs is our kids' ministry. You know, our kids' ministry serves over 400 kids every single Sunday. And when I say serve, I don't mean we babysit your kids, but we have amazing volunteers who prep during the week to build a foundation of the Bible and who God is in your kids' lives. And man, if you're here at Northridge Church and you don't know where to serve, you like kids, you love kids, man, get plugged in. Because we need you. Because we want to get our minds and our focus off of ourselves and we want to get it on others. We want to use our gifts to serve others as faithful stewards of what God has given us. But then lastly... We want to invite. Last part of our process is to invite. And man, frankly, if you struggle with this, I, I really don't know what to say. Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, and the gospel is too good of news not to share. Isn't that true today? The gospel is so good. The fact that when we remember that where God found us and where he's taken us, man, how could we stay silent about that? 
I mean, I mean, if we just look at our own lives and we say, wow, look what God, our, our lives should be this living testimony to, to the people we interact with. Look at me and look what God has done. And no, I won't shut up. No, I won't put up. No, I'll keep telling the world of what Jesus has done in my life. It's too good to be quiet about. That Jesus saved us from our sin. He paid a penalty that we owed and that he gives us life. But here's the skeptic again. Here's a, a really good question that many people ask is, you know, we ask people to invite, and ultimately what we're asking people to do is invite people to Jesus. And here's a lot of tension that people feel about this, this, this process of getting people to invite is, man, the question we ask is, okay, I, I get it, you want me to invite people, but man, sometimes I just feel like all Northridge cares about is numbers. I feel like, man, as a church, it's just another mega church. Here we go. Let's just talk about how we can have more and more people and we can pat ourselves on the back and we can be like, yes, this is amazing. Look at how big Northridge Church has grown. And, and some of you have that tension. You feel that tension. And honestly, I think that's a very wise tension, a great question. And, and can I just be real for a second? That's a tension that I pray against in my own heart on a regular basis. Because I think it would be very easy as a leader of this church to slip in to celebrate the numbers more than what God is doing in our church. And, and, and here's what I want you to know, is I'm not interested in building Northridge's kingdom, I'm interested in being, building the kingdom of God. I, I, I don't care, I want God to do what he wants to do in his church, it, it doesn't matter, he, he, he gets to choose that. And I'll prove it to you, there has been numerous occasions where I have sat down in my office with families with individuals and said, listen, I don't think Northridge is the church for you. I, I don't think this is the best place that would fit your family. And I, I, here, here's the reality is I have great relationships with Pierre at Father's House. I have a great relationship with Kevin at Grace Road. I have a great relationship with Kevin at First Bible. I have a great relationship with Rob at Browncroft. And man, we gather together as pastors in this community and we pray that God would do what only God could do in his church. Every Sunday, every single Sunday morning, I have to drive past Browncroft Church to get here. This happened this morning. And every Sunday as I drive past their building, I'm reminded that they face the same battles. It's not a competition. We're not trying to get the biggest gold star in heaven. Ooh, I had the biggest church. Look at my gold star. That's not how it works. We're in it together together. We're fighting the same battles. We're fighting the same enemy. And we pray for those pastors and those churches as a church because we love them. And we want God to do something special in them. And so we want you to invite people to Jesus. And probably the easiest way for you to do that is to invite people to what God has done through your church. And, and we live in, the, in, in this culture, our church is in this culture where we ask people, to, we, we ask you to live Pi Square to, to invite people and, and to come. And, and here's our promise to you. As you invite people to come check out what God is doing at Northridge Church, our promise to you is that we will do the best we can not to make it weird. <laughs> I mean, you, have you been there before where you invited a guest, you're sitting next to them and you're like, oh my word, I hope they don't do something crazy. <laughs> yeah. You're laughing because you're like, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> and that's where the, you go back to worship, that's where the whole eye towards evangelism comes in. And you're pretty thankful for that eye towards evangelism when you invited a friend who's far from God. Because we don't want to, we want to be sensitive to that. 
And we don't, our promise to you is you invite people in your office, in your neighborhood, in your coworkers is we're not gonna make it weird. We're gonna make it understandable so everybody can understand who God is and what he came to accomplish. And as we look at our process, as we look at people going from our, our front door, our worship services and moving into community and growing and serving and inviting, we believe and what we celebrate here at, the, at this church is watching somebody who was far from God, who didn't know all the answers and watching God through their journey and through their life become fully committed to Jesus. That's worth celebrating. That's worth saying, wow, look what God did. And so maybe my challenge for you this morning it's just to simply look at our process. You've got it on your notes. There's the five bullets, worship, community, grow, serve, and invite. And maybe in 2019, you just look at your life and you say, okay, you know, where can I grow this year? Maybe for you, it's just you gotta be committed to our weekend services. Maybe for you, you gotta get plugged into a community. Great news, they start this week. It's a great time to try one out. Maybe you need to grow spiritually where you need to just say, hey, you know what, I need to learn how to say yes to God more often. Maybe you need to, to serve. Maybe you get to get in the game. Or maybe you need to be passionate about inviting people to Jesus. If that's you and, and you feel, man, I would like some help in that, you just check the box on your connections card and we'll help you as a church uh, fulfill what God's calling you to do. But we want to be a church that sees through our process and through people's journeys, people come fully and all in to who Jesus is. Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church through so many people, God. And God, as our community groups kick off, man, we pray that we would just see people, man, I, I need this in my life, and that we would see, God, you use our community groups in a powerful way. May you use our church in a powerful way. And may we grow to a place where no matter what you call us to, God, the answer is always yes. In Jesus' name, amen.